This is Football CFB, the home of unique football content. I never told you You scared off the vultures I never told you You scared off the ghosts living in my head That lay lonely in the dirt That I'm joined on Football CFB today by a man many of us will now know because of the Sunderland Till I Die documentaries, Peter Farrer. How is? How are you? I'm I'm fine. Well, considering what's going on with Corona, <laughs> Kepler and that, everybody's all right. I want, I need to talk to you about Sunderland Till I Die before we talk about it in in depth. How did you get involved in it? Well, I was just in the local pub, the Colby Tavern, opposite the ground. It was a night game, it was the night Simon Grayson got sacked. This camera crew come in, I was out and he met a few of us. And for some reason they picked on me, I must have one of them faces. <laughs> and they just asked us, well, could I say a few words about Sunderland? And I just said, how long have you got? And that was it. <laughs> and the next day, they took me name and telephone number. The following day, they rang us up saying the players were come across and I let it do some more. And it just snowballed from that. Just went absolutely stupid, crazy. I was getting you, filmed. They didn't know I was a taxi driver or nothing. They just filmed us nearly every day for the, the full season. For the first series, anyway. Filmed us in the house on the drink, the match, whatever. And it's just... <laughs> I'm not an actor. It's just natural what you see. I'm never, I, cannot, I cannot act to save my life. In terms of being involved in it, what's it been like for you? Been so well known around the area now, and 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 everywhere really. It's a bit stupid, really, especially with being a taxi driver on a Friday and Saturday night. And when when I'm driving, you hear them they get in the back of the taxi and going, I'm "Sure, I know who that is. That's a taxi driver." And they just, or some of them just come straight out with it, and <laughs> by the daftest one ever in the mall. When we were at Wembley for the Czech Trade Trophy? No, was it? No, the playoff when we played Portsmouth. No, we played Charlton. Yep. We're coming out of the ground and made all the supporters wait beside um, beside um, um, they call it Wembley Tube Station. They wouldn't let us in anywhere. And I was I was meeting my son in the pub in London later on. And I was getting myself out of because I thought I'm never going to miss him because he was going home. We were stopping overnight. And I must have been effing and blind. Anyway, we got past the last copper. <laughs> and, he, and he come running after us and got all of us by the collar and spun us round. He went, You are a taxi driver of something until I die, aren't you? That was from the <laughs> Metropolitan Police, that. <laughs> I've had people recognise us from Belgium, Andorra, Kuwait, you name it. Doesn't matter where I go, I'm recognised. I know it's, it sounds as though I'm being a big head, but. That's the way it is. Absolutely, and it's, it's unbelievable. Crazy. Absolutely. In terms in terms of the taxi, have you had any Sunderland players in the taxi at all? I've had I've never had any of this present team, but I've had, I've had players in before. I've had Niall Cunning, Lee Cattermull, Phil Bosley. Um uh, kind of think but I've had a four or five in 
But I've never had none of this pleasant teaming, you know. But it doesn't, doesn't matter. I've just seen plenty of <laughs> seen plenty of people around having to see them. <laughs> In terms of the first series of Sunderland to Lidai, it's a very good series. Simon Grayson was obviously the manager for part of it, then Chris Coleman, oh. and obviously relegation followed at the end. What was that season like for, for you as a fan? Well, really, to be honest with you, the rot set him and David Moyes took over. That was, he nearly stopped me from going to football. He had, I obviously had the team really has the personality of the manager, and he didn't have a personality, David Moyes. And the rock was there. And unfortunately, when David Moyes come in, why? He come with a good record. He'd done well at Leeds. He'd done, but he come to Sunderland and I don't know. It just, it just didn't seem to work. You know, just, he started off all right. Then he put some, well, you saw in the thing when he's doing the team talk with that flip board. It's like a school teacher, you know. I know you're a school teacher, but. <laughs> But you know what I mean? It didn't didn't fill you full of enthusiasm. And anyway, he got to sat and, and Chris Coleman come in, everybody was like doing somersaults. But when you look at Chris Coleman's leg record, forget the wheels, Kepa. That was wasn't very good. And all I'll say now is it was Chris Coleman managing. Diamond <laughs> well, Grayson managing. You know, David Moyes was out of work for nearly eighteen months. He's just went back to the club he'd come from and he's doing well at West Ham, isn't he? Jeez, that's you know, that's, that's if you look at it that way, where when the leaves sort of where did what where did they go on? What did they did they have improved themselves? You know? Well I think Chris Coleman's still on the door. Simon Grayson, I don't know where he went to Blackpool, I know he got sacked from there. I don't know where, I don't even know he's working now. Don't think so. No? Well that's a kind of advert for yourself, isn't it? In terms of the, the, the squad that season, obviously being from Scotland, we kind of follow it. And Celtic came down for the pre-season game and, yeah. and it, was, it was it was unbelievable in the sense that they scored five goals. I mean, was that, even though it was right. pre-season, was that a day where you felt, well, here we right. go, it's going to be a long season? Right, That's, that was the start. And it was just basic goalkeeping. It was terrible mistakes. You know, it was like, it was like schoolboy football, really. And of course, Celtic come down with thousands and it was a lovely sunny day, and it just—it's not the first time Celtic's done this. Just by, by the way, in the friendly match at, at Sunderland, done it in '67, come down and give us a right eye in that time. But there was something not right about that. You could say it was just like I don't know. We're, we're out of our depth. We had a lot of players who, who should have put it, just weren't really good enough, or they, or they were badly managed. I don't know, you know. I, but it just went from bad to worse, you know. And the season started and it just deteriorated all the way through. Then we had a little bit of a... When Chris Coleman first came, we had a bit of a... pick-me-up type, if that's the one, for the want of a better word. Then it just started to go... I don't know. Just... just Everything we're done just seemed to be going... You know, there was nothing good about anything, really. But the support stopped with them. That was the thing. That's, you can never say any. That's one thing you've got to say about some of the supporters. They stop with the team, they stick with them. So thick and thin, you know. We've had some thin times more than thick, you know. But I don't know. It's just. We're still. 
I got a match with five or six lads. We've been got a match together for nearly 40 years, if not more. One lad in particular, a lad called Jimmy Brain. We met when we served no time, 16. Well, we still got <coughs> we still got every game now. And it wasn't so much going to the match, it was it was the social side of it where we'd meet in the pool, have a few pints and come three o'clock, the day I was knocked. That was <laughs> the, that was the end of the day, really. Because you know what was going to happen, it was just not predictable. I've got to ask you about Jack Rodwell because he was a big feature in that first season. See, being a fan like yourself, it's followed the club for a long, long time. How annoying and how disgraceful is it when you see a player who's earning that level of money and just looks as if they can't be bothered to even play for the jersey? Who we talking about? Not talk, not, who we talking about here? Jack Rodwell. Jack oh, well, that. Well, really, yet again, where's Jack Rodwell now? That just sums him up, man. Not with a balloon, to be honest. Absolutely disgusting. And there's people in this day and age haven't got nothing. And he's sitting there picking 30, 40 grand a week up or whatever. And he, you know, he should have had his, he should have had his, he should have been struck off. And I think, basically, but it's the only profession in the world where football, if you want to build a site, you're doing that, you get sacked. Yeah. Football, you don't, for some reason. And it was disgusting. But all I say is, what, where's Jack Ross now? You know, when they've got about this corona thing where you've got to have an hour's hour a day exercise, I bet you're not having an hour a day's, hour a day's exercise. <laughs> You'll be injured somewhere. <laughs> oh. See, when the club got, got relegated last season, just what, in, for being a club like Sunderland, such a big club, to go down to League One, you've seen Leeds and teams like that go down over the years. For you, who's followed them in the Premier League and seen some of the better times, just how how hurtful was that for you? Well, it's sad, but I've seen I've seen them in some terrible times in the 60s, 70s, you know. But come the summer, you buy a season ticket, <laughs> then we've got the new owners come, and it's like, well, we'll start again. Busy that. And it's not just me saying it's got thirty odd thousand saying, right, let's have another go. But it's not it's not nice. You know, and you don't want to become the laughing stock of football. You know, because you'll always get people think, oh, look at these soon it's only Sunland. But Sunland's a I said it all the time. It's one of the biggest supporters. I think there's done a survey where we were twelfth or sixteenth most best attended football clubs. In, in England this, in the year 2019 and that's in the first division or what I would still call the third division there's not many clubs can say that how many Liverpool supporters would go if they're in the third division I'm telling you they left in the droves when Roy Hodgson was playing crap Chelsea, how many rate Chelsea I remember Chelsea getting 11, 12,000 there not long ago Crystal Palace, they've gone about the great Crystal Palace supporters, about 40 of them. You know? There's only, I'll say, a Man City stuck with the club supporters and Newcastle would stick with them. Middlesbrough would just disintegrate, they would just no longer exist. But I tell you what I'm going to have to do, I'm going to have to plug my phone in because it's going to, I'm low on charge, just two seconds. <laughs> no worries. In terms of League One, see when you get down to League One, 
it's just going to be. It sounds like a daft question, but see, getting to go to some of the grounds you, you hadn't been to in years because you'd obviously been in the Premier League and Championship. Yeah. Although you were gutted to be in League One, was there something refreshing about that? Why? When you go to Blackpool, you know, and like New Year's Day, there was like I don't know ten thousand Sunderland supporters. And by the way, Blackpool makes Sunderland look like Manhattan. What a <laughs> dump! Honest, it is. It's like going back in time. <laughs> and to sum it up, I went to Fleetwood this year, and that's even worse. The only thing Fleetwood's famous for is fishermen's friends. That's where they make them, do you know? I don't know that, actually. <laughs> but honestly, but when you go out to the games, as soon as there's thousands, man, it's like, it's it's a day out. It's not so much the football, it's just a day out. And hopefully they win, but if they do, it's, but sometimes it's a long journey home when they don't win. But that's football, I suppose. Obviously, you look at the the ownership and <clears throat> the ownership changes to Stuart Donald. What was that like at first? Was there a lot of optimism when Stuart came in? Oh, without a doubt, it was like breath of fresh air. And you thought, Ellis Short had done away, took the, picked up the debt. No debt, new owners. And to give them the due, they come in full, flying colours, you know. They, they turned, the, turned the club around, they turned the season they quickly got the supporters on the side, you know. And but I, I was, well, they don't, they've done a lot of things. They promised things and they've done it. And you got to remember when Jack Ross first took over, he had about nine players on the books. That was it. He had to buy a complete side with no money. And he got he got his side knocked together. And good on the fella. I think Jack Ross doing well. To be honest, I, I was a Jack Ross fan. You know, people mourn about, oh, you drill this, you drill that. Point off a loss better than none. Doesn't matter what fo- football you're playing. But um, no, I think uh, I've got to know Charlie Medford and Stuart Donald personally through that. And I'll see it, I'll see it on camera now. I found them lovely people. You know, really nice people. That was very nice for me. Charlie Medford's wife was a lovely woman, you know. But. It's like everything, it's started to go wrong and, you know, people's like, football fans are very fickle, you know. But no, I've had no, I was, was it was buoyant, you know, right right, right the way through. Then it just, would have been a bit of a blip. They forget Maguire brought his foot. McGeady brought his foot. We're playing the Czech Trade Trophy. But daft tip calling matches off international games. Which we could have played them games. There's only two or three players away. And we had reserves that were capable. So we got to a point where I was like catch up, because I was catch up. And then unfortunately it didn't we didn't catch up. We should have we should have went the night that really tore us to bits. So when we, I think did we draw with Burton or got, got beat off Burton? It's a night game. If we won that game, I am not dinner quarters. I think we're about five or six points we had two games in hand but we didn't win mm. and that's when it started just poof that's when the shit hit the fan basically that's my opinion you mentioned Jack Ross and <clears throat> obviously I'm based in Scotland so you could say I'm a wee bit biased in Scotland Jack Ross is quite highly rated we we think he's a really good manager and a good mm. man and to be fair I felt that he came across quite well on the documentary even though it was unsuccessful what was he like as a person did he did he try well, and integrate himself with the fans? I think he's very aloof. 
I don't think he was, he wasn't one of these that would like shout from the rooftops, you know. I think he was an intelligent man, and I don't think he wanted really no support. I don't think he wanted getting into the engaged where like having my supporters nights where I'd sit there and answer questions and that. I think I think he was too astute for them really. I think he too intelligent. I think oh, I don't want to get involved in that, you know. But I liked him as a as a manager. I thought he's he's all right. Yeah, I always come across well enough. But what what why the players the supporters turned on him a bit was we drew that many games. Mm. You know that was and a lot of them games were winning. You know that's what that's what gradually started gnaw away at him. You know that's what that's when he started to get when you think we were in front against Portsmouth at Wembley. You know, we're in front against Charlton at Wembley. We never won either of them games. But so it is. I was I was happy. I would have stuck with Jack Ross even the start of the, the following season. You know. But like I say, football that happens at every club in the country. You know, that happens at Celtic. That happens at Rangers. You know. Yeah, that's true. In terms of. Last season, obviously getting to the Checker Trade final, getting to the playoff final, getting so close, but yet just falling short. What was that like to experience as a fan? Because we all remember your reaction from the, the games at Wembley. Well, it's. I've been to Wembley. I didn't go on 73. I couldn't get a ticket. It brought me out. I was six, I was 17 the day after. It was my birthday. And I knew Pete was going there. I'd never been to football much. But I've been to everyone since. I've never said someone win. I don't like Wembley. <laughs> it's a, it's a, it's a horrible place to get beat at. When you build yourself up in the day before you, you've been on the drink and everybody's happy go lucky. Then you get there and it's just it, it sickens you more than anything. But they turn up if they were if we're at the playoffs this year, they'll turn up and hundreds. There'll be forty, fifty thousand there this year again. I'm not, I'm not, I'd put my mortgage on that. In terms Just of... Dad. In terms of uh, last season, I need to ask you, you said obviously that Stuart Donald and Charlie Metvin were, were very good with you. From watching the documentary, Charlie Metvin's getting quite a lot of criticism for the way he sort of conducted himself at times. What was, well, your, what was your opinion on him overall? Well, actually, this is my opinion. I think Charlie Mifflin and Stuart Donald come out pretty well in it. When the when the what when they actually say what was going on behind the scenes, you know, there's people getting paid there. It was marketing people, or you know, getting well paid to keep the keep the club right. And then basically, they just bury their head in the sands. I think that's it. That's if you want to believe everything they said. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think. It, and as my dad used to say to me, if you can't appear, you pay for something once one way, you can't appear twice the next. And that's the way the club was going along. You just couldn't constantly. Once you get yourself in a hole, you've got to knuckle down and get. It's like this corona thing. You know, there's lots of people lost in a fortune, not going to. But you've just got to pack yourself and get yourself right again, you know? Rather than do. And that's where Sunland was going wrong. You know, but people didn't realise this until they saw this documentary. It's like when Stuart Donald was buying Will Griggs. 
the only reason he bought that could to save face because he promised somebody he was going to buy it. And at the time, everybody wanted to buy Will Greg, so to all this crap about, oh, he's crap. Everybody in this city wanted him to sign for Sunderland. You know, it's, it's in hindsight, it's a great thing. Massive. What was your reaction when Josh Major left? Because he was he was in fire before he joined Bordeaux. Well, I'll be honest, watching Josh Major, I didn't realise how good he was I watched the documentary. He was, he was class, but he was saying his body language, he didn't want to be a son of man, you know. And money talks at the end of the day. All it says to me is to rap, you know. He, like, still, right? yet again, you've got, if you believe, you've got to believe people in you. He said his agent had a, had a track record of selling players abroad, and his agent was going to make a fortune out of it. And Madger, for some reason, fell for it. He went, Yet again, where's where's Madger now, really? I think he's still there. I think he's there, yep. He's still there. Um, You're right, I think that's a good point. And the question I need to ask you is, if he stayed at the club, do you think you'd have went up? Would have gotten promotion. Would have gotten promotion. Without a doubt. Any team that does well has got to have a regular goal scorer. And he was our regular goal scorer. Kevin Phillips. You know? Gone on forever. Ian Rush. Kenny Daglish. Any team that's a good side has got a regular goal. Alan Shearer, if you're scoring 20 goals a season, Ian Wright, you're there. You're there <laughs> and there about. In terms of this season, you've obviously Jack Ross left, Phil Parkinson's came in, it's been a wee bit up and down. What's your opinion of Phil Parkinson in the season so far? Well, yeah, again, Phil Parkinson come with a decent record. He won the first game 5 1. I thought, oh, this is it. It's gonna then it started to go wrong, but nobody knew what was going on behind the scenes. And you and he had to change the side, and you, you had to carry on with McGeady. Well, he's supposed to have what he told him to get out of the club. And Maguire was going to go, but Maguire turned fit. But I tell you how they've improved under under Phil Potts, they become fit, they're a lot fitter than what they were when Jack Ross was there. And he did start to play a, a bit of a more. Organise, you know, defensively we were a lot better. I used to argue with blokes about and ah, Phil Parts and this versus no, he's doing all right. And then he had that fantastic run. Then about three games before this corona thing, we lost a couple and yet again, you know, it was teams coming up on the rails, Oxford was coming up on not stable coming up and you know, I think we just what was the game? It was one game we should have won and, you know, we lost it. And and it's that it's that crap of a league, to be honest. It's poor. But that's how everybody can bunch together because there's no real great sides that's going to... You can get beat one way and lost the next. Hmm. But I, I'm, I'm happy with Phil Parkinson. But like I say, I don't, I don't know what will happen with the football league. I don't know what will pan out. I don't know. In terms of Sunderland till I die, is it going to come back for a third series? Do you know? Well, I think it was going to come back for a third series this season if the Americans had took over. That's a little bit inside information for you. <laughs> but um, it never it never come to fruition. Oh, I think it's... Well, they're still talking about 73, still talking about coming back, you know. 
it's a good advert for the Sunderland Football Club. I wouldn't be talking to you now. Do you know what I've had on the phone today? Who? He's texting us now. And a fella from River Plate Football Club in Argentina. Wow. The manager. Saying how good of I'm not kidding you. He said he's the manager, but I think he's a backroom staff. But I've got photographs of him in the in the stadium. He's invited us to Argentina to go over. <laughs> That's amazing. Not, he's busy. He's busy texting us when you talk to me. now. he's he's on WhatsApp. WhatsApp to us now. And that's not a word of a lie. That's brilliant. See, in terms of the the situation, since I've got in contact, I'm just with sitting you. in a little tote in a little cottage in End and in Sunderland, and there's a fella from River Plate what's up in me about football. Well, you couldn't, said, it you couldn't, you like, couldn't since, make it up. Since I've been speaking to you, you've been very passionate as as you were on the show. And in terms of people getting in contact with you, you've been doing lots of interviews. And you've, what's it like? Has it changed your life? Uh, it's me soon's just text us there about that river plate when I'm talking to you. He said it looks as though the whole river plate management team's been watching it together. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. Wow. And now, <laughs> I'm 63 year old. I've had two new hips. I've had a snap Achilles tendon. And I've got prostate cancer. So there you go. Jeez, oh. Hi. <laughs> In terms of Sunderland, when did you start supporting the club? What was your early memories? The first game was when about 1964. My dad took us. Well, say Fulham, I think. There's no one saying in Sunderland, blame your dad. <laughs> <laughs> and um, then, then I tried to go to all the games, tried to say all the World Cup winning sides, the team in the 60s, 66. Then when I went to from a school. I met up with a lad called Peter Stratton. And we used to go to every game. Went every game apart from the, when I got about 16, I played football on a Saturday until I was about 18, 19, 20. But then I stopped playing on a Saturday and just played on a Sunday. Because I went, if I wasn't playing football, I went to match. And I'm not exaggerating since I would say 1974, 75. I think I've missed five home games since then. Wow, jeez. And that's that's and ask anybody that knows is that's true. That. I've seen what's, I've seen a lot. What's been your favourite memories over the years? Well, you've got to see beating Man City in the sixth round of the FA Cup in seventy three. Beating Arsenal in the semi final and of course beating Leeds. Beating Sheffield United in the playoff match. I don't know when was that. That was when the young Peter Reid was there. Peter Reid seasons were great. And when we beat Everton, when Sam Allardyce was there to stop up, and the same night Newcastle got relegated. And in the Colry Tavern, somebody put the record on by Petula Clark downtown. That was the <laughs> same night. <laughs> Everybody was singing that, but of course it was Doom Tune, because that's the way they talk. <laughs> But I'd say, I, could, I could talk forever about memories. But it's not just the football. It's going to say lads and make the same lads every week and just to laugh and, you know. But I've had some great days. I've had some bad ones. Some sickness, but that's football. See, in terms of Newcastle, have you got friends that are Newcastle fans at all? Well, I served my time. 
as a joiner with a Newcastle firm. And they used to call us a little Macklem bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I've got no friends in Newcastle, no. What are those games like to go to? Because they're unbelievable well, to watch on TV. They go about Celtic and Rangers. I tell you what makes me laugh. You get the Southerners talking about Tottenham and Chelsea, Tottenham and Arsenal, and these Aston Villa. There's nothing compared to Sunderland and Newcastle. Maybe it's Rangers and Celtic. But I think even in, even down Liverpool, Everton, Man United, Man City, it's absolutely mental. Crazy, especially where it's been lately when like, we won six off, off the belt. It's like New Year's Eve. Everybody's out. If you're not at the match, you're in a pub. And it's just absolutely mental. There's not as much trouble as what you think. The place have got it right off. There's never... You hardly say in your castle support when you go out to the match, they're coming one way and we go in another. But, um, but in the 70s, 60s, and 80s, there was trouble because the segregation was nothing like this. What's your favourite memories of those games? Well, I'd say the one when DeCario slid along his knees. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. Just saying Pardew's face, that was worth it. That was worth £100. DeFore's winner. Oh, you, all of them. Johnson's goals, you know, Richardson's goal. We're all fantastic, but you're just on edge from getting up till the match finishes. It's they're not good, nice games. You kind of say you can enjoy it, but no, it's um, just craziness. Well, you know yourself, Celtic and Rangers, you know what it's like. Absolutely. In terms of Sunderland over the years as well, what I want to ask you is, who's your favourite players been? You've had some greats, Phillips, Quinn. Reed, who would you None say is your favourites? None of them. Tory Towers in the 70s. Dave Watson. They were my two favourite players. Right. No, I wouldn't. Even, like you say, Phillips and Niall Quinn, I'd put like, I've got definitely Tony Towers and Dave Watson. That's good. In terms, of the, see in terms of the current team, who would you say are the players you really enjoy watching in the current team? I like your nine for his effort. I think the goalkeeper's all right, McLaughlin. I think we've got a good player in Denver Young. Um, Maguire's good when he's on his dear. See, Lafferty would just, just score them two goals. Now, he, he's the type of player that some supporters will like. But, of course, the season's stopped, you know. But, overall, you've got to remind, people's got to remember that team's apart from one or two. The third division players, mm. you know, that's the level they're at. So, all way, all Southern people want to give 100%, and they'll soon say if you don't give you 100%. I remember Alex first, I read in his book once, he says every time he used to pull up at Walker Park or the stadium, and like, he used to say, This is a proper football club, this, you know, and, so, and he also used to say, you can't kid these supporters. Say straight through you. It's a, that's right, that. It's a good place when it's good. It's a bad place when it's bad. <laughs> Somebody I'm desperate to ask you about is Roy Keane. His spell at the club was class, relatively absolutely good. Absolutely class. Would you take him back he, now? He just, I'll take him back. But um, <laughs> what do you do with this lot? I don't know. There'll be some, there'll be some heads rolling. <laughs> but he, he's just a character, isn't he? Well, I know, it's another thing I know. His dad and his brother used to come to Sunderland 
to watch him watch the games. And they used to drink in the Navy Club. And my friend drank in there. And he got to know his dad. And his dad says, I've followed our Roy all over the world with Man United, but I've never been to a place like Sunderland. Wow. And Roy Kane and Roy Kane would come back. He loves Sunderland. But he's not a type of bloke that's gonna shout that from a brand he does. Absolutely. In terms of other managers, who would you say had been your favourite managers of your lifetime? Peter Reid, I would say. Great footballing team when we played with me. He was another one down to earth, typical. It would relate with the supporters. Peter Reid was just like, just like us. Well, he's the same age as me, he's about the same height as me. He's just a typical working class lad who give 100%. Of course, Bob Stoke, but... Now I'd say a point of ride. On the other hand, which managers would you say you were completely disappointed by? I've told you, David Moyes. Couldn't run a bath. <laughs> uh, Couldn't. Was it, was it that season in the Premier League with Moyes? Was it that bad? It was shocking, disgusting, horrible, depressing. I stopped watching football on the telly throw in. <laughs> Cool look. <laughs> and he's a Scotsman, by the way. Yep. Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Um, what would you say is your favourite away ground? Well, yeah. I didn't. I, I used to go to win. Well, Burnley was always good. Man City's all right. Man United. But um, I've been to loads, but I wouldn't say I'd have won him particularly well. But I've been to Burnley a few times. I've been to Man City a few times. I've been to Manchester United a few times. They're all, it all depends if you win or not. Well, that's true. And you go, and you go home safe. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say your hopes are for the future for Sunderland? Well, get the club stabilised, you know, that's what we've got to do. Just, if we go up, we'll go up. But somebody's got to come along now and start putting a lot of money back into it. You know? But there's... The same thing, the talk is there is somebody actually nearly on the verge of bought it, but then this corona thing come, but nobody's been actually said it was going to be. But it's, it, you've got to sell it to the right person. Mm. You've got to sell it to somebody that can relate to the city, relate to the supporters, and have loads of money. It's no good giving it to somebody who's got no real interest. I just think it's a. Somebody, you've got to, If you could get Stuart Donald coming as a. The director of whatever you want to own at and be a multi billionaire, I think you'd be on the right lines. That's because he he's he's took something to his heart. That's what you need, somebody like that. But they're not they're not two a penny other. That's true. Last question I've got for you is just sum up how much Sunderland means to you and how much it's meant to you in your life. Oh. Wish I had the money I'd spent on them. I'll fill my taxi with fifty pound notes. <laughs> I'll be, I'll, we'll be there. <clears throat> we'll be there next season. We'll be there the season after that, as long as we can get there. You know, it's just. I'm not a big drinker. I didn't go out much, and that's what that's what I love. So I love sport anyway. But Sunderland is part of my family, of course. It's my next love. That's about yeah. it. <laughs> Absolutely, and you mentioned you love sport there. What other sports do you enjoy watching? I love cricket. I love boxing. 
if I had a choice between England cricket team or England football team not to pay money, I'd, I'd watch the cricket. I love cricket. But um, I like any half. I like, I like playing golf. I played football when I was 38 and I snapped my Achilles, so I just love football in general. I love, love sport. I'm going to finish with a question and put you on the spot. Sunderland win, Sunderland win the Premier League or you could be a billionaire. What do you choose? Hmm. I know what you want us this year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I might be a billionaire. I might be a I've checked my lottery ticket yet. Um, <laughs> oh, well, I'll show myself something to win the league. <laughs> Brilliant. Peter, it's been a joy talking to you. Thank you very much. Right, so we'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in a deep sea cave and our shells will all be open. They'll be filled with song, they'll be filled with song. We'll dive down to the ocean and we'll make our home in